0: Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing. Come into his presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. Come into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart and give him praise and give him praise. Come into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart, your voices raise, your voices raise. Give glory and honor and power. Him, Jesus The name above all names Come into His presence With thanksgiving in your heart And give Him praise And give Him praise Come into His presence With thanksgiving in your heart Your voices raise Your voices raise Give glory the name above all names Then this is a good old hymn that's for thanksgiving we gather together to ask the lord's blessing we gather together to ask the lord's blessing he chastens and hastens his will to make known the wicked oppressing now cease from distressing, sing praises to his name, he forgets not his own. Beside us to guide us our God with us joining, ordaining, maintaining his kingdom divine. So from the beginning, the fight we were winning, the Lord was at our side, the glory divine. We all do extol Thee, Thou leader in battle, and pray that Thou still art Congregation, escape, tribulation, thy name be ever praised, O Lord, make us
1: free. Good to have you in the Lord's house this morning. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you for your many blessings to us. In this Thanksgiving weekend, we certainly count our blessings and name them one by one. For Lord, we are a very blessed people. And we do pray for those around the world, whether we think of in Ukraine or Israel or other far-flung corners of the earth, where folks are so much less fortunate. I pray, Lord, that you would watch over them this Sunday morning. I pray that you would woo them and beckon them to you that they might find strength and hope and peace as only you can give it. And as we worship you this morning, help us to be a thankful people. And We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Please be seated.
0: together we're going to sing a new song, Rejoice. The choir opened up the service last week with this one, and together we're going to learn today, Rejoice in the Lord Now and Always. Rejoice Rejoice in the Lord Lord, Now and Always. Sing it and we rejoice. Delight in the love He has shown us. Gratefully lift up your we For nothing Praying for all that you need Come with a song of thanksgiving Lay your request at his feet His peace will fall upon us To guard our hearts and minds In Christ who reigns eternal The shepherd of our lives With each breath he's given Rejoice in the Lord now and always. Tell of the good He has done. Worship the Lord to remember all of the joy yet to come. The hope that burns within us, the dark cannot destroy. With praise that's never ending, we say again, rejoice with each breath. Praise the Lord in these times we live in. We will praise the Lord throughout every season. I am sure we have every reason to praise the Lord. We have every reason to praise. is satisfied, he will hold me fast. Reigns with him to endless life, he will hold me fast, till our faith is turned to sight, when he comes at be seated. Many of you will recognize the tune to this song, but this song is called A Thanksgiving Hallelujah.
2: Oh, give
0: thanks unto the Lord. Proclaim his name forevermore. Make known among the nations what he's done sing to him sing praise to him and tell of all his wondrous deeds and glory in his name
3: oh hallelujah hallelujah heart and every
0: voice of those who seek the Lord rejoice we look to him alone to find our strength remember all that he can do his miracles and judgments too and all ye
3: servants cry out hallelujah hallelujah
0: Behold, he is the Lord our God. His judgments govern all the world. His faithfulness endures forever too. The covenant that he ordained, a thousand generations stayed. in everlasting promise, hallelujah. To the Lord proclaim his name forevermore make known among the nations what he's done he gave his one and only son we crucified the Holy One but then he rose victorious hallelujah
1: brother john with his piano and ministry of music and all that he does to have our music ministry go well we're grateful i would like you to take your bibles and turn with me if you would to psalm 96 there's only 13 verses in psalm 96 and psalm 96 is about worship now thanksgiving weekend how many of you had enough to eat on thanksgiving day If you didn't get enough, come talk to me afterwards. I think I can find something to help you get by. But Thanksgiving dinner is always usually a time of feasting and fellowship. And if we're not careful, we forget that actually Thanksgiving is about Thanksgiving. Every once in a while, I'll read an article about Thanksgiving, and here, in fact, just the other day, I was reading an editorial in a newspaper about Thanksgiving, and they managed to take Thanksgiving, which is a time of thanks, and turn it into this doom and gloom article about uh, settlers coming to America and killing off all the Indian tribes. By the time you've done the article, you're thinking, wow, wow. What a doom and gloom article that thing was about Thanksgiving. But then, too, I am a a buff of history. I like to read about history. And so when I read those kind of things, I, I recognize that somehow they forgot that even the Native Americans migrated here. They didn't sprout out of the ground. They immigrated just as the pilgrims immigrated. And just as throughout the ages people will move and immigrate around the world. But what happened was the pilgrims, who were very religious people, regardless of what the revisionists wanna write, they were people who truly wanted to know and love God. And they had survived. And they were coming into this time of harvest. And they wanted to give thanks. And the Native Americans that were in their area were invited and welcomed, and they sat down and they feasted. But it wasn't the feast, it was the giving of thanks that was the focus. And that giving of thanks is part of worship. In fact, I encourage you, if you've never been to the Plymouth Plantation down there in Plymouth, Massachusetts, I encourage you to go, set up a family trip, go for the day, make it two days. Go see uh, Go see the Mayflower. That's an amazing thing. You go into the little Mayflower ship there and you think these people sailed from Europe to America and that boat, that's a shock all by itself. Go tour it, sit down in there and think of months out at sea in that, but then go to the, Plymouth Plantation. And when you get there, you find out that the meeting house, which was where they worshiped and held their community meetings, was a central part of the village. And that's because they wanted to worship. And part of that worship was giving thanks, remembering that every day they had, every year they survived, every child that was born and every life that was given was all a gift from God. And so they naturally wanted to worship. When we come to Psalm 96, verses 1 through 13, we find a text that inspires us concerning worship and how that it should continue, continue to be a part of our thanksgiving. There are three sections in this text how that worship is part of singing unto the Lord. And we just did that, didn't we? We lifted up our voices cooperatively. We we lifted up our voices with a praise team, a choir, a solo. Singing is a real part of worship. But then as you come down through the text, you also see that giving is a part of worship. Not just giving our tithes and offerings, although that is a part of worship. But giving our time, our talent, giving our adoration to God. It's part of worship. And the third thing we're going to see down in the text is worship is really testifying. It's about telling all those around us, all our neighbors, our friends, all our fellow worshipers, all about the wonders of God at work in each of our hearts and our lives. As the psalmist penned these words under the inspiration of God, here we are in the year 2023, still looking back at the same texts that even the pilgrims would have read. And before then, generations before, people have read these texts and worshiped God. I'm going to read to you all 13 verses down in sequence, and I want you to listen. Listen to how God inspires us to worship. O oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord, all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come unto his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. Before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness, and the people with his truth. Father in heaven, as we look into this text, I pray that you would help us to be a people who truly desire, strive to worship you. You are worthy. We are thankful for the nation we live in, for the families we have, for the provision that is there, even for our church, but most of all for Jesus. We are thankful, therefore we worship. In Christ's name I pray, amen. As I mentioned when we start out in this text, we find in verses one down through six where he talks about singing as part of worship. And it is a natural part of worship. You find all around the world, even people who worship false gods, sing. It's a natural part of who we are as a people. And as we look into this text, he starts off in verse 1, Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord and bless his name. Show forth his salvation. From day to day. And you and I as we come and we worship. We sing unto the Lord a new song. This morning in men's prayer breakfast. uh, The testimony was given how that one of the men at prayer breakfast. He said you know before I came to church. Before I came to know Christ. I didn't even know that there was such a thing. As what I've experienced in coming to Christ. And when we come to Christ, when we come to salvation, when we accept him, and we are transformed and changed through the power of God, all of a sudden there's a new song that we are singing. We're singing of Christ and his provision and his salvation, the hope in him, the hope of heaven itself. Now maybe before you sang about all the barrooms and all the different kinds of beers and who knows what you sang about but when you became a Christian there was a new song that you sang and that's what the psalmist is saying here he's saying that we have this new song that we sing unto the Lord it's interesting in the text that he tells us who should sing? all the earth everybody should sing Even non-believers should sing unto the Lord, even if they don't believe in God because God gives them their breath, whether they believe it or not. Every breath is given from God. Every step we take is a gift from the Lord, whether you believe it or not. It's whether you believe in God doesn't make whether God is real or not. God is real. That's kind of like a person who steps out in front of a bus and says, that bus is not there. Well, you can believe until the bus hits you that it's not there. But when it hits, it's there. And it's the same thing with God. He says to all the earth, He says all the earth should lift up their voices and sing unto the Lord. Especially you and I that are saved. You and I that are the children of God. You and I that have received Christ. You and I that enjoy the salvation that is given to us. And what should we sing? He tells us to sing a new song. But he also, when we look in verse 2, he says, sing those songs that are a blessing unto him. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. You and I should desire to lift up and exalt, magnify the name of our Lord God. It is in thanksgiving that we praise Him in song. We come to the second part of verse 2. He says, sing unto the Lord, bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. And it should be that we sing those songs rejoicing in the very gift of salvation that we have. For without Christ, we would be without hope without that gift of eternal life, we would be without hope. Many a person I have gone to the hospital and sat down and prayed with before they died, both believers and non-believers. And there's a real difference between dying with the hope of heaven and dying without any hope. Here he tells us, he says, listen, lift up your voices. Praise the Lord, sing unto him this new song, a song that blesses his name and shows forth his salvation. When we look at verse three, he starts off, he says, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among the people, this purpose in singing. There's a purpose in us coming and worshiping and lifting up our voices and singing unto God that all the world might hear. Now in the old days, in villages and communities, churches sat in the center of town and all the windows could be open and when the congregation sang, all that were there, not only in church but outside of church, they could hear the praise and songs of God. New England villages were famous for their churches in the center of town. But you and I have a unique generation we live in. We live in a generation that when we lift up our voices, you don't have to open the windows. All we do is turn on the live streaming. And all of a sudden, our song goes from all the corners of the earth. And when we live stream our services, we have people at home like Elizabeth Hollander, who no longer gets out, her hips hurt her, and she's no longer going out and about, but she live streams our service and many others. And so when we lift up our voices and sing, she sings along with us. She'll text me when I preach a message, Elizabeth will respond later on because I don't read my messages while I'm up here. (laughs) But she'll text me and she'll respond to some part of the message. Some part of the song service because it's ministering to her. And when you look in this text, he's telling us, declare his glory, proclaim his wonders to all people, he tells us. We're challenged. Verse 4, he says, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, small g gods. It's important for us to understand that when we lift up our voices in song, when we come and worship, he is worthy. That's what he's telling us. Our songs exalt him. He is worthy of us to sing. So I challenge you. If you're a non-singer, if, you, if your excuse is, well, I'm not a very good singer. I remind you that the Bible says, just make a joyful noise unto me. Make a joyful noise. You and I, we should all desire to lift up our voice. Why? Because he is worthy. Great and greatly to be praised. He is above all the false gods. He is to be in awe, inspired by the awe of who he is. That's what it means when it says that we should fear God. It means that we should stop in awe at who he is. Because he is God. Sometimes it's hard for you and I in the year 2023 to grasp something such as God, because we've taken the wonder out of so many things. We, we somehow have created this idea that we know everything. You know, you can turn on the Discovery Channel. Uh, the other day I watched, they discovered all kinds of uh, coins on the bottom of the ocean. I mean, but they were showing these guys, they're, they're scooping up buckets of coins. It makes you wanna go swimming in the ocean. I mean, buckets of coins they found on the bottom of the sea. But then they talked about how the, we know less about the bottom of the ocean than we do the surface of the moon. There are parts of the ocean that we can't even get to still today. And there are ships down there too. There's gold coins laying down there and we don't even know how to get there. We don't know how to do it. We've kind of pulled and stolen away the wonder of things we haven't even discovered. God says, listen, step back a moment. You're not God, I'm not God. There's only one God. You might convince yourself that you're a small G God. You might think you're a self-made person and independently able and God says no you're not every one of us is dependent upon him for our breath our life all that we have is the goodness of God in our lives and he tells us here he is worthy of our song he is worthy of our praise He is above all the small g-gods of the world. He says in verse 5, For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And I love to contemplate that sometimes. The other day, Louis and I were driving along, and we drove by a farm outside of Virgin's. And as we were driving along, I said to him, I said, Hey, Louie, do you remember Greg Carr years and years ago called me up and I brought my little kids out to a farm. I said, that's the farm. And Louis said to me, I was there. <laughs> I said, that's right, you were there. And we talked about how that they had dug a trench to pull cables out to the barn. And down underneath there, there was a whole layer of shells. I mean, literally, and I brought my kids out there. My kids were homeschooled at that time and you could scoop your hand in this and hold all these little tiny shells. And it just reminds you, reminded me, reminded my children of the great flood that once covered the earth. And how that yes, this area here was once under the sea. And You're reminded of all those biblical texts that have taught us all the wonders of the history of the world. And here, this text reminds us to sing. Sing our thanks, our praise. Sing glory unto him, for he is that God who's above all small g false gods. For all the gods of the nations, he says, are idols. But the Lord made The heavens and earth that we live in. Verse 6 tells us honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And you and I, when we come to worship, and on this Thanksgiving weekend, as we give God thanks in our worship, we can't help but give him all the honor, all the majesty. He is the God of strength and beauty in his sanctuary. I'm a full-time pastor. It's what I do. And for many years, I didn't start out that way. I started out bivocational. I worked in machine shops for years. It's what paid my way through college. It paid my way in early years of ministry. Even when I was bivocational church staff, I would go ahead and work in shops. But then as the years went by, I became a full-time pastor. God blessed and it grew. And there are times when I'll come down from my office when it's very quiet, and I'll just come and I'll kneel down here at the altar. And I just thank God. I thank the Lord for the way he has provided through all the years. Sandy and I were talking about how the 35 years ago we Pulled into the parking lot here and the old antique shop was here and we lived in the back of the antique shop and there was the old other side that once was a blacksmith shop and this and this and that. But now we pull in and we see all that God has provided over all those years. And you can't help but just stop and say, Lord, it's a miracle. Thank you. In all its wonder, and all its beauty... Lord, it is you. It is your provision. You are worthy of our song and of our praise. And as we look around our congregation, we have to take the time to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for this person and that person and the salvation, the transformation, the, the, your hand walking them through. And even when we take like an old church directory and we look look back and here not too long ago, I was looking at one of our old church directories and I went down through and all the people who have passed away, so many. But I have to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that they're in heaven. Thank you that I have peace that they rest with you. Thank you that they were part of our church and we ministered to them and they ministered to us through all those years. Thank you, Lord. As we look at this text, we are reminded that worship is thanksgiving. He comes down into verses 7 and 8, and he talks to us about giving unto the Lord. Giving is a real part of worship. He says to us, give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. We lift up and give unto Him our praise. We do it in our prayer. We do it in our song. We do it in our meditation. We do it in our preaching. We come to God's house and as we give Him thanks, we lift up His holy name and we give Him all that glory and all that strength. He comes into verse 5 and uh, verse 8 and, and again He hits on the word give. He says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name, the glory due unto his name. It's interesting that God tells us, God is due our giving of his glory. We owe it to him. You know, it's kind of like in your marriage, your spouse is due your expressions of love, aren't they? They do that. They're worthy of that. You should make sure you give that. Uh, so many of us, if we're not careful, we take it so for granted, we forget that you just need to give what is due. a thank you. How many of you enjoyed your Thanksgiving lunch, dinner, <laughs> feast? And then we have to ask ourselves, did we give thanks to the people who worked so hard? Because, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, isn't it? Um, I had, every year when we do Thanksgiving, we do it with our family. We drive over now to my daughters. We used to do it at our house. And so every year, I try to have something at Thanksgiving that is reflective of the pilgrims. Most of the time, that's some little seafood dish. Maybe it's something to do with lobsters or something like that because that's what the pilgrims had. Do you know what they didn't have? Turkey. They didn't have turkey. But this year, I went ahead and I took a section of backstrap from venison and, and cut all the tallow and all that stuff out of it so that it would be really good, sweet venison. And when I got to my daughter's house, I put it in... Uh, a frying pan, and I followed Kim's uh, recipe, and she even gave me fresh herbs to brush the oil on the venison. I mean, I felt like a TV chef over there, (laughs) you know, doing that, but I just did this one little side dish so everybody could share in what the pilgrims shared in, but there was a table full of food. Somebody was do thanks. Yes, we give thanks to God, but we also have to say thank you to those who we love and say thank you. One of the traditions of our thanksgiving is all the way around the table, every person gives thanks. And so as Sandra Jo was sitting to my left and it went around the table and it came to her and she started crying. Now that's, that is the worst thing, is it not? <laughs> So she starts crying, giving thanks. Then they came to me. I said, nope, pass it on to the grandson. Go ahead. And then after I got done dealing with being all choked up, then I could go ahead and give my thanks. But everybody's got to give thanks. And that's what he's saying to us here. It's part of you and I lifting up his holy name. Giving him thanks and giving those around us thanks. That offering unto his name. Bring that offering to the Lord and to those we love. When we look at the second part of verse 8, he says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. And bring an offering and come into his courts. And I am very grateful that our church understands the concept of giving. Giving. In fact, even in men's prayer breakfast this morning, it came up that, yes, even even the church has to pay its bills. They have to pay the light bill, the heat bill, new carpet, whatever. There's so many things all the time. So we come, we give. But we give not unto the church. We give unto the Lord. Me too. Sandra, Joe, and I, when we bring our tithes and our offering and we put it in the offering plate, it's given unto the Lord. We don't even think about it anymore. We, you know, as the pastor, I oversee the finances, but I don't think to myself, well, that's Sandy and my money. No, that's the Lord's money. And that's what drives us to be a good steward, is it's not Victory Baptist Church's money, it's not Tim Taylor's money, it's not Erica's money. No, that's the Lord's money. And so the scriptures teach us, it says, come, give glory unto him, give honor unto him, give strength unto the Lord. Yes, come, lift up his name, give him that glory and bring an offering and come into his courts. You see, it's not just a matter of even an offering unto God. It's about bringing an offering unto God. And I want to challenge you, You the the folks who are live streaming. I want to challenge you. If you can come to church, come to church. Come, just like it says, come into his courts. It's part of, of worshiping him and praising him is coming and bringing your offering. Yes, we can, we can do it all different ways. We can, and when, we're, when, we're not, when we can't be here, when we're traveling, we're on business, when we're away on vacation, yeah, we live stream, but when we can come, we should come. And that's what he tells them. He says, yes, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts, you and I, It's a privilege, it's a part of our worship to give unto the Lord our time, our talents, our worship, all the glory he is due. As we come down into the third part of his text, he inspires us to understand that we should testify of the Lord. It's a real part of of being thankful, just testifying, telling people of the the goodness of God. Look at what he goes on and says in verses 9 down through 13. He says, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him, all the earth. Say, testify among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. It's a real part of us giving thanks. This whole idea that thanksgiving in the United States is not about thanking God, is a complete revisionist mentality. The early pilgrims were serious Christians. They very much believed in God. Now, would we agree on every detail of theology? No. But were they a people who genuinely sought to know the Lord? Yes. And when you look at these texts, it reminds us that those folks came to worship To give thanks. Where? Before the Lord. Why? Because he feared. They feared the Lord. And that fear is to reverence. To stand in awe of who God is. And believe. Believe me. If you'll go see the Mayflower. And you'll walk the decks of that ship. And understand that all those people were packed in there with all their provision. Out on the open seas. That would make you fear God. My uncle Stuart, who's only a few years older than me, was career Navy. And we were texting the other day. He sends me poems. He writes poetry. And every once in a while, he watches me preach. Every once in a while, I'll read one of his poems. <laughs> but he was he was career Navy his whole life. And we texted the other day. And he said to me, he said, you know, the most Frightening thing in my entire life, he said, was being on a ship where the seas were so high, it was just like walls of ocean water. That would make you fear God. You would step back and say, Lord, please give us one more day. Watch over us. We are not almighty, but it is only by your grace that we survive. And here he tells us to testify of those very things. He says in verse 10, say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. It should be those who work around us, those who live around us, those that we interact with. They should know that we are the people who recognize that God reigns. It's not the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. It's not the independents. It's not the United States versus Europe or Asia or Africa. No, listen, it is the Lord who reigns. And all heathen need to know that it is God, God Almighty, who created all the heavens and the earth that reigns. He says in verse 10, Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth, The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. I really do find humor in those who say, well, there is no God. The earth just hangs within its orbit, within the realm of all the stars in the universe. And maybe I could buy into that, except they don't understand exactly how our universe fits into all the other galaxies, and the other galaxies that they can find no end to. So they say, well, somehow it all just happened by a big bang. And so all those galaxies, all those stars, all those planets, all those universes, they all happened by one bang? Or was it bang, 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 bang? Was it like a Chinese fireworks thing? What? (laughs) You see, it's so much easier for me to stand in the awe and wonder and know there is a God. And that God spoke into existence all that is. Now, when he spoke it into existence, did it happen with a loud noise? It could have. I was not there. But he spoke it into existence, and it is. And he holds it into balance. Through his creation, all the heathen need to know. He says all the heathen need to understand that he is the, the God, the creator God. Verse 11, he says, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. And you know, one of the beautiful things about the wilderness is that it does have its own song of praise, doesn't it? I was, I was talking to somebody here the other day, and uh, back some of you may have known Doc Wright up in Bristol, Vermont, years and years ago, as a veterinarian. And so Doc Wright owned a large parcel of land up in the mountains of uh, Lincoln. And every year he would give me a little written note that I would put in my hunting license to hunt his acreage up there. And I would park my car in the National Forest edge up there. And then I would hike up, 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 up into the top of Doc Wright's property. And there I would sit. And it was far off the beaten trail. You wouldn't hear cars. You wouldn't hear kids slamming doors. But there was a whole nother song of the birds and the chipmunks and the squirrels. And you'd sit and it's so quiet, yet so noisy. Because it's the noise of God's creation. And that's what he says in this text. He says... Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful in all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. You sit in the woods and as the wind picks up, the branches click against each other and the leaves rustle and they sing their praise unto the creator god I was talking to somebody the other day and they said oh it's fall all the leaves have fallen off it's going to be winter why does there have to be winter and i looked at him and not that i don't sympathize but i kind of felt like i needed to answer the question and i said well Because there needs to be rest. There needs to be a time of rest so that in the spring, everything can come back to life. God created such an amazing cycle, didn't he? You and I are blessed here in Vermont. We get to see all the seasons. Sandra Jo grew up in Texas. And you kind of see seasons, kind of, but not like here. Her folks aren't gonna go out and shovel 18 inches of snow, snow from one night's storm. They're rejoicing. And maybe, maybe we kinda wish we didn't have to too. But there is something marvelous, wonderful, awe-inspiring about where you and I live. When we get up in the morning And we look across, and the fields are glistening white. You know, the snow is deeper than the hay that maybe, maybe there's still this much out there, but the snow is deeper than it all. And you look across, and you see that sparkling, glittering snow. What a song of praise that is. You can't hear it, but you can see it. Here, the Bible teaches us, That even nature itself needs to testify of the Lord. The scriptures teach us that the heavens themselves declare the glory of God. You and I, as we come to the last verse, verse 13, it says to us before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth, he shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. That's part of testifying of God. Is that our Lord, our Lord is the final judge. It's not us. Thank the Lord for that. I would not want that responsibility and I would not think you would either. But it is the Lord who judges. It is he that gives us salvation itself. And it is us that look to him. We call upon him. We receive him as our savior. If you have never done that, then today you need to do that. You need to accept Christ for he died on the cross for you. For you. That you by faith might lay, lay your sins aside. Repenting of them, you receive the forgiveness and the price paid for, by Christ on the cross. You and I testify of that in our lives. For he is worthy of our praise. Just As the woods sing praise to him, just as the snow glistens its praise to God, you and I that are the children of the Lord, we should worship him in thanksgiving. Father in heaven, as we get ready to to depart this morning, I ask that you would be with us as we go forth. Help us to go forth with a song, with worship, with praise, with the giving of thanks upon our hearts. For truly, Lord, you are worthy. Thank you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. Brother John has a chorus. Father,
0: we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name.